Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. We are going to be looking at a specific scripture. It's Philippians 1.21, and it's probably familiar to many of you. This is a scripture where the Apostle Paul makes a statement that is translated in a lot of versions. It says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I decided to study this out a bit, and here is what I found. First of all, Paul use the word Messiah, not Christ. Why does that matter? Well, they both mean the anointed one, but Mashiach, which is Messiah, carries with it the additional weight of the promised deliverer. The Messiah was the one the Israelites were waiting for to deliver them from bondage and to bring restoration. Knowing this made the phrase, to live is Christ, take on a new meaning for me. It brings a new wave of hope and thankfulness even 10 years after Becca's death because I feel like when I do my best to stay connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, he carries a specific anointing to be my deliverer. His powerful anointing continues to bring healing and restoration to my shattered heart. Well, what about the phrase to die is gain. We believe this in our own lives because we want or wanted to die when our child dies. In fact, we feel like we've already died and we're just living in a shell waiting for it to give out so that we can go be with our child. I know I begged God to just kill me now, get me out of here. Now, I want to turn a corner here and look at this from our child's perspective. And so I have to ask myself, if it's true that to die is gain, then what did our children gain? You and I have children hanging out in incredible glory and perfection. No sickness, no pain. That means physical pain, emotional pain, no hurtful rejections. I think you get the idea and you could build on this list. When I take time to think about what my daughter has gained, I can start feeling happy for her, which eases some of my pain. Honestly, when I spend time thinking about my deep loss, I can still cry and hardly breathe. But when I think of her gain and let my mind imagine what it's like for her, it moves me in the direction of peace. And have you thought about how our children are going to be the first ones waiting to meet us when we arrive? I can actually get excited thinking about Becca showing me all around heaven, knowing that she couldn't wait for me to get there and join her. Would I rather have Becca here with me? Absolutely, especially when I think about how much I miss her and all of the things that she's not or will not be part of as I continue to live here on this earth. But since I've resigned myself to the fact that it isn't going to happen, I've gotten to the point of enjoying picturing her in heaven, imagining the fun that she's having, the people she's meeting and hanging out with, what her mansion might be like, and other thoughts along that line. 
Another thing I discovered when studying this verse is that the original word, which is often translated gain, to die is gain, is rivach, which also means to profit. Our children gained even more life than they had here. Everything that is good was multiplied beyond what we can imagine. There was a huge profit made for them when they left this earth and went into heaven. Now, you get to choose what you believe about what happens to us when we die. Many Christians start to have doubts, wondering if there really is a heaven, and they wonder if their child really is there waiting for them. And that just brings torment. I want you to think about this. You are the one who gets to make the decision to believe that there is a God and that when our children die, when your child died, they gained something wonderful. Let me ask you, what's the alternative? What is the alternative to the doubt and the wondering? Like I said, it brings torment. I recently heard it described that it's like we're on a path with our children, but our child has gone further down the road, over the hill, out of our sight. Now, we're still on the same path together, and at some point, we will catch up to them. It's just that we can't see them right now. We, we're, we're not in their presence. They've gone on ahead of us on this path. God is good. I know it's hard to believe that after the death of our child, but in His goodness, He made a way for death not to be final. Plus, he not only walks with us, he carries us when needed while offering his anointing and his promise of everything we need as we travel through this very deep, very dark valley. In other words, we need to see God as one who comes along beside us with deep sorrow and compassion, not as someone to blame who caused the death of our child. It's so much more helpful when we see God as the rescuer in our story rather than the cause of our pain by something he did or didn't do. I'm going to say that again. It is more helpful when we see God as the rescuer in our story because that is who he is rather than the cause of our pain by something he did or did not do. Too often we have a fairy godmother view of God and we get mad when he doesn't just wave his wand and make all the bad things go away in our life. I think of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. She had to go through the journey before Glinda the Good Witch told her that she had the power all along to go back home. But before she told Dorothy that, she asked Dorothy what she had learned on her journey. God isn't just sitting back watching our lives unfold like a movie in front of him. He is actively involved as everything in our lives unfold. There are good things that can come from the tragedy of the death of our child. It may seem impossible, but I'm telling you, with God in the mix, it is possible. There isn't just the power of the resurrection, but the Bible tells us there is also the fellowship of his sufferings. Sometimes we will be asked to absorb a horrific pain so that others can be helped. But often we're not thinking that way. We don't want it to grow into something good for God to be able to use our situation to help someone else down the road. 
All we want is for the pain to stop. But God didn't cause that pain. The broken world we live in throws these things our way. Ask God as you continue to live out each day, please show me the meaning my life has on this journey. My life hasn't ended and I need to know what you want to do through this as something good. See, if we have our eyes focused on the tragedy, we're going to miss it. Some of you have asked me why you don't see or hear God or feel his presence like I did in the beginning of Becca's death, or maybe like others you've heard about. One thought I have is that I spent more time resting in him than I did wrestling with him about why my daughter died, or why did you let her get cancer when she was only three years old? I decided even more than why I needed to know how I was going to possibly get through this suffocating darkness and pain to be able to live a life of meaning and purpose again, to feel content again with my life, to, to have joy again in my life. Is that even possible? And so I surrendered. Instead of fighting God on the why, I wrestled with him on the how. How, God, are you going to do this, if that makes sense? God is with you. And he was with your child when he or she died. And he was with you at that time. We want God to show up in a certain way. And when he doesn't, we think he isn't there with us. We have expectations of him. And when he doesn't do things our way, we think he isn't there or he has abandoned us. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he thought God abandoned him. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that is not true. That's not what happened. Jesus was actually quoting David in the book of Psalms. And I have always been taught that God turned his back on Jesus because, you know, Jesus had taken all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, and God was such a holy God that he couldn't look or, or, or be around sin. And so God turned his back on Jesus. But I want you to think about this. If that were true... God would not have come down into the garden looking for Adam and Eve after they sinned. It's not our sin that separates us from God. It's when we allow our guilt and our shame to separate us from him. Jesus paid the price for the sin. That's already been taken care of. That's been removed. That's out of the picture. It's our guilt and our shame. So when Jesus said, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? It's because Jesus was in such a dark place that he could not feel God's presence. He could not see any light. And that's exactly how we have felt, right? See, God did not abandon Jesus in the darkness of the cross, and he has not abandoned you. Let him show up in the way he wants to show up, not your way. And I believe that when you do that, you're going to start seeing him or sensing his presence. You're going to know he's there with you in ways that you were not expecting. And I do believe that someday you're going to be able to look back and see the places where God was with you and you did not realize it at the time. Remember when the disciples were in the boat and that big storm came up and Jesus came toward them walking on the water in the storm. They thought it was a ghost of some kind. Peter wanted to come out to Jesus. And so Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat 
and he started walking towards Jesus. But as soon as he got his eyes off of Jesus and started focusing on the storm and the waves and everything that was going on, he started to sink. But Jesus was right there. The only thing that keeps you from the pain is Jesus. The only thing that keeps you from Jesus is the pain. So the question is, where's your focus? If you continue to focus on the pain, you're going to sink. If you do what you can do to focus on Jesus reaching out to you, he's grabbing a hold of you and you will be okay, even though you may not feel like it right now. Another time we read about there was a huge storm and the disciples were terrified they were going to sink and all of them were going to die. Where was Jesus this time? He was asleep in the boat and they woke him up and they said, don't you care that we're all going to die? I want you to know that Jesus is in your boat. It may feel like he's sleeping, but he's in the boat with you. And if he is sleeping, just curl up next to him and sleep with him. Let his peace become your peace, that it's going to be okay. We tend to want him to stop the storm right now in our time and in our way. And even when he is asleep, he's in charge. And when the time is right, he'll get up and he'll calm your storm. And I know you're thinking, but the time is right now. I need him to do it right now. There is beauty in sacrifice. There's a beauty in selflessness. When we allow God to be God and learn to rest in that, there's a sweetness that comes in. There's a beauty in fighting your way through the night as you rest in him. It sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But God tells us in Hebrews to labor and work to enter into that place of rest, resting in him. So don't fight for the answers. Don't fight to stay angry. Fight to come to a place of surrender and a place of rest within the dark and the tumultuous storm of grief. Rest in him during this time. Now, God gave us the gift of imagination. Children are really good at using this gift. As we get older, uh, we're told that it's childish to imagine things. But the thing is, if you're like me, you use your imagination a lot to picture the bad things that can possibly happen. Like if I call one of my children and they don't get back to me for a while, my mind can go to lots of negative reasons that I think it might be why they didn't call me back, why I haven't heard back from them. My imagination can just think of all kinds of all the bad, wrong things. So I want to wrap this up by taking a minute and using our imaginations, which was given to us from God, for something good. I want you to close your eyes and picture yourself in the storm like the disciples in the boat. Can you feel it rocking? The waves are just going crazy. It's scary. Now get out of the boat and start walking on the water towards Jesus. And as you look around at the storm and the waves, you feel yourself starting to sink. Now see Jesus offering you a hand to pull you up to a safe place with him. You can be in that safe place of rest even in the middle of the worst part of your grief from the death of your child. To live is to take on Christ in all his anointing and 
all of his promises to be your deliverer. That is what he wants to do and who he wants to be for you. I want to let you know that my CD called Together Forever will officially be released on August 22nd. That's earlier than we were hoping, so that's a good thing. Right now, you can pre-order this still and get a free My Grief Journey coloring book and journal. Now, coloring is something I have always enjoyed, even before the adult coloring books became a big new craze several years ago. I've also journaled or had diaries since I was young. And one day I realized that putting the two together, the coloring and the journaling for grieving parents would be a wonderful way to help them express their emotions, both the bad and the good, in a way that brings a measure of hope and healing. My Grief Journey, the coloring book and journal for grieving parents, is the result of that, combining the coloring and the journaling and my desire to help other grieving parents. Now, this book has 42 words that express your grief journey, such as confusion, helpless, anger, future, hope, comfort, thankful. And each word has a writing prompt that will help you get started in writing something about that word. Like for fear, the thing I fear most now is, or when I think of family now, I think of those kinds of things. So then on a separate page, I share uh, just a short thought intertwined with what God has shown me about each word. And then at the bottom of that page, each word has a scripture. So even if you don't color the pages, the short readings can be done like a devotional. And you can definitely use those journaling prompts to help you kind of work through some of these thoughts and emotions, which is really healthy and helpful for us. So if you're interested in pre-ordering the CD to get your free My Grief Journey coloring book and journal, just go to our website. Be sure to do it by this Saturday, August 21st. The website is gpshope.org. Just click on the store tab and go to the books and go down until you find where you can pre-order the CD. It's only $10. You'll get the CD and the coloring book. Let's go on to our birthdays. Jaden Phillips was born on August 17th and is forever 18. Frank Sasaski was born on August 22nd and is forever 34. Evan Sabine was born on August 23rd and is forever 15. We celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world and touched their lives forever. If you want to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do that for you. Just go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out the form there, submit it, and we will add your son or daughter to our calendar to be announced. Going back to the scripture we started with, Philippians 1.21, let me put all of this together using several translations of the Bible combined with my own words. For to me, to continue living means that I am connected to the one who promises to deliver me and continue to bring healing and restoration to my shattered heart. Being alive here on earth means that through Christ, the Messiah, Mashiach, 
there is still a way to have fullness and joy again, along with a reason to keep living. Death just means we gain even more of Him. It is like our children have won the biggest jackpot ever possible. So with that, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.